This is The Huddle Podcast, and I'm your host, Mark Stolo. Today I'm talking with David Frank Gomes. David describes himself as a relentless idealist, practical thinker, sounding board, and someone who provides a refreshingly fresh perspective. He is a self-confessed enemy of the status quo. He combines the ancient wisdom of mindfulness with the structure of contemporary coaching for creating dynamic pathways for change and healing. What is the heart and soul of a coach? Are all coaches the same? And what could they possibly teach you about life that you believe you should already know? David and I riff about what makes a coach truly transformational, how the great teachers help to incubate what is great in you. Sometimes I get the sense that anyone who's had a life translates that into becoming a life coach. I've lived, I've had experience, and so I'm ready to coach. It kind of makes sense. It's like, right, like I've built enough homes. I'm, I'm ready to be a carpenter. Logically, at a superficial level, you think that seems like a logical conclusion. And yet, I don't think that formula is actually quite accurate. You talk about coaching as someone who's a soulful companion. Maybe just high level, share with me your perspective on what actually is a coach that's working with someone, quote unquote, at life. You know, the, the problem with language is it points to something, but it isn't something. So, you know, for many years, I would have considered myself a mentor, even as a young man, because of my spiritual studies and what I was up to. People would just come to me. I'd never heard of life coaching. I didn't know anything about mentorship or, um, but I knew there was some sort of, there was, people were coming to me, they were seeking something. And then, um, you know, it started to dawn on me that um, there were other ways that you could support people, you know, like I have had a spiritual mentor in my life almost all my life, but it's not quite the same as coaching. And so as I got kind of got into it and, and, and in middle age decided to actually explore it, I realized that it's kind of, um, it's hard to describe, you know, like I think the people that have actually experienced having someone in their life that is this, you know, what I would call compassionate presence, who's working on both their inside life and their outside life, um, that's really valuable. And the paradox is anybody who's operating at a very, what I would say, a very high level understands coaching. Like, can you imagine an Olympic athlete getting to the podium without a coach? Can you imagine... Uh, you know, the greatest musician getting to give that concert in New York without a coach? Impossible. Yeah. But, but in ordinary life, ordinary life becomes so normalized that we think, well, I don't need anybody to help me. I, I got to do it myself. I got to figure it out myself. And so... In one sense, the only people that feel that they should have coaches are people that are operating at this incredible high level. It's like it's a luxury, right? But most people don't realize what is essential until it's too late. So what I'm saying is that everybody benefits from this space, this voice, this idea to have it in your life, right? Because um, we're looking to improve the quality and depth of our lives, to make our lives feel significant. Mm. And that that's 
for, for everybody, but at some level, it is a spiritual problem, uh, cleverly disguised as a tactical problem, right? Uh, it's it's really hard. I mean, the more I talk about it, the the, the less I feel even I understand. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's I agree with you. It's it is a hard thing to talk about. It's an it's an interesting craft. Um, that's not easy. I mean, we could talk about it, you know, systematically, so to speak. There are many coaching methodologies, um, change methodologies, habit building methodologies um, that coaches employ to support people in a change process. Th- that I think is one thing a lot of coaches generally do well at. Like they have a process, they have a methodology. I think the the coaches that are kind of operating at a different level, so to speak, are the ones who also invite people in some way to, I agree with you, do the inner work, understanding that this is not just a manifestation of a a collection of a bunch of actions or behaviors that one takes in one's life, but it's a condition, an internal condition that one is nurturing that fosters that inner outer alignment, that deeper balance. But also great coaches just invite people to get out of their own way. There's some. There's a very unique quality in coaches, particularly ones doing work in the transformational space, who invite people to see themselves more clearly and in getting out of their own way, invite what is new. And that's a very unique talent. Uh, I think a talent that the great teachers of the world and the spiritual traditions uh, had, and they wield it skillfully and very selectively and intelligently. And that is a very hard trait as someone who has spent, you know, many, many months going on years now talking to a range of coaches. It's a very unique trait. It's a gift. It's a talent. To be clear, it's a talent. And I don't know how much of it is easily, some of it is learned, I think, but more of it is experienced. So like I know in talking to you, how moved you were by your own mentors and spiritual teachers what they invited you into through your lived experience. And you have found a methodology or a way, some pathway to invite that into other people's lives. You're wise and you're bright and you're intelligent, but through your own lived experience, through getting out of your own way, or at least working through that process, you seem to have this knack for inviting people to do that, to do the same in their own lives. Well, I, I have been thinking about these things for a long time, but I, I would agree with you. Um, the industry or whatever you want to call it is very, there's a very surface level of it. And um, a lot of it is highly ineffective. I can't even say for sure that I, I fully understand my own process, but it's built on this inalienable mystery that we live in. Change is not difficult. <laughs> what, what is most difficult for people is, is living in this mystery and wanting it to be different than it often is. And so, you know, fundamentally, I, I, I've never really even been comfortable with the word coach because it's too, it has this energy of, it's, it's sort of, it's that sport thing, right? It's about success and striving and that's all important. You know, we're trying to find the balance between our outer lives and our inner lives. 
But, you know, I, I do think that, um, like anything in life, the big question is how do I, what do I invite into my life? Who's in my life? How do I find my teachers? What ideas am I curious about? And for whatever reason, the one gift that I would say I do have is my ability to recognize greatness in others. And, you know, so I owe everything to my teacher, everything. And all my methodologies are really based on these eternal spiritual principles. Um, everything else is kind of temporary and fleeting. And what I notice is when people come to a coach, you know, the first thing they want to know, tell me about your methodology, tell me about your training, like all this nonsense. And then you've worked with someone, I've worked with people for 12 years we're not talking about that stuff. We're not talking about business when I'm talking to a senior executive. We're talking about, you know, stuff that comes from the heart, from the soul, trying to understand the world and our place in it. And how do we make a difference somehow? How do we wake up and feel like, you know, my life is valuable. And so that's a difficult space to, to, to play in because it's, it's challenging. You know, I never realized how difficult coaching was. I thought it was, to be honest, when I started, I thought it was going to be easy. And I remember when I was doing personal coaching, because that's really what I do. I do one-on-one -on -one deep personal coaching. When I started, you know, nobody was doing it, really. It was very difficult. And I would get things, you know, like, um, well, I can understand having a golf coach, but a life coach, you know, like, who needs that? So there was the, a lot of disrespect, you know, and the industry decided that um, the way to counter that was with to try and make it seem like we're these highly trained professionals. It's the, the myth of professionalism. I get it. If you're a brain surgeon or a pilot, you probably need to be well trained. But there's a lot of people in this space that um, maybe don't have particular training, but they're just deeply gifted, connected individuals through their own practices. Yeah. Those are the people you want to it's also the double-edged sword of this space because it is very accessible. People who go through their own change experience and are find inspiration in their lives also nurture this, I'll call it an empathetic quality where they want to bring that out into the world. But to our earlier comment, I don't find they're all often bringing the texture of their experience. They then bring a methodology into the world. And typically it's not even their methodology. It's someone else's methodology but they weren't moved by a method. They were moved by something else. So it, it is, it's an interesting, it's a bit of a catch 22. On the one hand, I agree with you that it's kind of this, there's an intrinsic quality about it. It's this natural gift for inviting in others what is magical in them, which at some level is what a coach does. And then the other side of it is the belief, the widespread belief that everyone has that talent to be able to do that. Like anything, it's, it's a rare talent. I think it can be honed, but it, it is kind of a rare talent. And I've seen it. And I don't even know how to describe it when I meet coaches and mentors. You know, people, I often get the question, particularly from, you know, a range of partners or investors, well, how do you choose your mentors? And I, I have an answer, but it's never a complete answer because part of the answer is I just know at some level having been through my own, done enough of my own deep work to know where they're resonating from. Like, where is it coming from? There's something resonant in the quality. There's a point of, there's an inflection point there. I can't describe to you concretely. 
you feel it, you sense it, it, it vibes out from that person. It's like when I met the Dalai Lama, it's like I could describe to you in, in concrete terms what that experience was like literally, but I could never really describe to you the texture of that experience. It, it was percolating at a, at a level that, to your earlier, to your first point, is beyond real language. And it wasn't made up. It was very, it was very vivid and very real. And great coaches exude that, exude that, that capacity. You do. I mean, you and I, I've only, you know, we've, we've only known each other for a short time. And I feel like there's a soulful connection between us. And as someone who's had lots of powerful mentors in my life, I know how much value you've brought into my experience just from the time that we've spent together. I'm not easily swayed because I've, I've had enough exposure like you to lots of impeccable sure. teachers. And maybe that much makes it easier to have my antenna lit up when I meet someone else who I think is doing amazing work. I've been taken by how much impact you've had just in the way that you and I have exchanged even casually, professionally, or just socially. And I know that you bear that gift among other mentors in our networks who, have, who carry that gift with them. Um, and how to describe that gift? Not easy, not an easy one, because it's, it's not packaged. It's not like, here's David. It's like, oh, I'll just unwrap David. Yeah, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with my partner, and we were talking about she likes to go to secondhand stores, and she always finds amazing things. And occasionally you find things that are amazing that have been completely missed by people. Like very, she just found another very valuable piece, um, you know, sitting on a shelf in a charming secondhand store that nobody recognized. And so I think there is a talent in recognizing talent and growing it. And, you know, for me, I don't get my coaching inspiration, my methodology. I don't get it from coaching books. I haven't read a coaching books, a book in years. I get it from my garden. I get it when I see people who light me up in various industries. I'm not looking for methodologies. I'm looking for people who can activate in whatever. It, there's this universality to activation. And most people who are capable of doing it, they're not spending time thinking about a checklist. Oh, okay, and now we're going to do that. You know, that's not how life works. It's not how true coaching works. Like you, you take the training and everything is set up and it's all nice and here's your system. And then you go out and it's kind of like, whoa, this, this model isn't working here because, you know, this woman's son committed suicide and they're coming to me and wanting help. I mean, I've dealt with some very serious stuff. And, you know, on one level, someone would say, well, you don't have the training for that. I don't know. Who has, what's training? You know, I, I, I get it again, like, you know, if you're dealing with a surgeon or a pilot, there are certain industries where you, you have a very traditional career path. Coaching, mentoring, personal development, transformational work, none of that exists in this universe. What exists is magic and gifts and some kind of uh, framework that is based on something um, true and beautiful. Yeah, because yeah inherent in this world is this impermanence this is what makes the world interesting yeah yeah because right. impermanence is impermanence is also the ground for creativity i mean this is the this is the beauty of impermanence is that it's an invitation to constantly being everything is being created constantly 
and either you're in that flow or you're resisting that you're resisting that invitation to constantly be creating you're living in that space i mean to your earlier point this is not like putting together ikea furniture okay this is not here's your allen key and here's the schematic i'm going to apply my methodology and by the time you're done you'll be a beautiful bookcase <laughs> well, that's how a lot of the marketing is. And so we confuse the story and the marketing for what's going on. And, um, you know, I think it's, that's why personal development and the whole space is so exhausting because it's just cotton candy fluff. Yeah. And the truth is people don't want more stuff. Like they know at a deep level what they're looking for. And so the whole process is an unraveling. It's an unlearning. It's a letting go. This is where all the deep work happens. It doesn't happen when people add stuff to themselves. It happens when they take stuff away. Yeah. That's an eternal coaching truth. And most people come to the process with a problem. That's where we start. Okay, you've got a problem. There's only two problems. You want to add something you don't have? You want to take something away you don't want anymore. Those are essentially <laughs> the worldly problems. Now, oh, we've dealt with that. Now what? Well, actually, I've realized that isn't really what I'm after. Okay, what are you after? Well, I can't language it. Okay. Right? It's like, in a sense, I'm trying to, I'm grappling with this idea of how do you bring this spiritual conversation into the world when people don't they don't want traditional stuff they don't understand even how to language it how to live with it what it means and so I, i'm um i'm an intermediary in a way yeah when you said soulful companion that really resonated with me your work is connecting at a soulful level like you're trying to invite that into your work um the courageous soul, the the open, welcoming, possibility soul, you know, the part of us that is un, untouched by the resistance and the constraints and the the IKEA built furniture vision of life and or someone who walks in with someone else's vision for someone else's life and is sure that's what they want and all of those things. We live in a very consumptive world. So and ideas are no different than food or drugs or alcohol. People want to consume. And so the system gets driven by consumption. So it's like, what's your next offering? What's your next coaching package? So you see that, you know, people write books and they write the same book over and over again, right? And so I'm interested in this idea of depth, not width. It's like, you don't need any new books. Go read the books in your bookcase. I used to be a book collector. Now I have about 30 books. These are books I read over and over and over again. So you're saying and in the Ikea world, you would only sell small bookcases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. David, it's, it's the Turgberg, Tur and it's a very small bookcase. Yes. In order for a new book to come into my bookcase, it's got to go through a very rigorous process. This was a little book. I've had it since 2015. Deirdre bought it brought it back from Japan. And so, you know, when I open up the first page, it says, whatever arises, love that. So that, and then on the second page, it says, may I meet this moment fully? May I meet it as a friend? The rest of it is empty. Those are the only two <laughs> things I'm working in my entire life. Right. Like I don't 
need anything else. Like if I could just meet every moment as a friend, yeah. I'd and can that? No, it's I, I find it very difficult to to love what arises, um, but that's my life's work, and that's what I'm trying to get to with people. But also in a way that, as I said, this compassionate presence, like. I love the ability to be able to support people and love them into being, you know, and want them to win. I want to be a champion. I've ne- there's no, I've never met a dream I didn't believe in. Hmm. Never. Yeah, there's that. That's the part of the beauty of your work is inviting people into. So people, to your point, will probably show up and say, "I want freedom from this moment. This moment is unpleasant. I have a problem. Extricate me from this problem." And a lot of people are coaching around that. Okay, let's extricate you from this problem. You're like, let's meet this problem exactly where it is. Let's just pretend that this moment is real and you're experiencing it. Because in that, you really do find freedom. Because there isn't a life that is free of some level of problem. Problems arise. You know, life itself is a kind of interesting paradox filled with life and death and all kinds of tension points. So the gift is being able to welcome, welcome that. And when you welcome that, you find freedom because there's no greater freedom than just the allowing, the welcoming. That is a beautiful, it's like when someone rolls out a welcome mat in their home and you walk in and it's like, welcome to this space exactly as it is. You are welcome here. And people feel unwelcome in their lives. And then to add to that, they feel like their problems are so complex and they look for complex solutions. Well, if my must be a complex solution to this complex problem. So they go out and try to find, you know, a, a slurry of ideas to put together to like solve this complex dilemma. And typically they just get tied up in more knots. Because we talk a lot about creativity, you and I, and the, the truth is you can't consume your way to a significant life. You create your way to it. And, you know, powerful coaching works because the space is big enough for the truth. And until you're ready to play in a big space, you're going to play in a small space. And, you know, for some people, this is a great place to start. I'm, I'm not opposed to solving problems. I, you know, I'm a fixer. I mean, I help people solve their problems. But really, the essential problem you're trying to solve is yourself. Right? Who am I? Why am I here? What is the nature of suffering? Can I remove myself from suffering, you know? Um, what do I want to do with this brief time that I'm here? What, what do I want it to mean? And so I think that a lot of people think coaching is a luxury. And luxury is very interesting. I've been thinking about that. What is luxury? You know, for a lot of people, it's like a holiday or something special and magical. Um, But when I think about luxury, I think about very ordinary things. You know, uh, when you get sick and you're suddenly in a room with fluorescent lighting in front of a complete stranger whose job is to save your life. How many jobs involve saving someone's life? Maybe the military, doctors, paramedics, complete strangers. But in a sense, I feel like what I do is a process of saving people's lives, like saving the journey so that at the end of their life, they're not lying there going, oh, I'm filled with regret. I, once again, I didn't, I didn't do what I came here. So in one sense, to me, coaching is not a luxury. It's a necessity. And it's about life-saving. Yeah. But saving yourself from this 
this this tidal wave of sort of living that is not authentic. And I don't mean that has anything to do with size or, you know, it can be a very small life. I have a very small life. My, my values are simplicity, sacredness, right, mindfulness. So, um, and until we get to that playing field, we are essentially working on transactional tactical problems that just are, as you said, they're endless. The world was created for them. Yeah. It's treasure that we're trying to find, but, you know, there's a wonderful story about, you know, the gods getting together and saying, we've got to hide truth. Where do we hide it? And one god says, let's hide it in the ocean. You know, humans will find it there. Let's hide, hide it at the highest mountains. Now they'll climb Let's bury it in the ground. They'll never find it there. Yeah, no, they'll dig it out. And then the wise God, the wisest God, the grandmother says, let's hide it inside of them. Yeah, they'll never look for it there. And that is essentially what I believe. Yeah, you, you invite people to actualize a vision for something that's actualizable. And most of what people describe as problems are problems because they're unactualizable. Because it's never enough. It's never rich enough. It's never safe enough. It's never enough. You know, it's, yeah. it, because it's predicated on a false premise, which is you are trying to fill the cup that perennially has a hole in it. So, of course, it'll never be enough. Like, the cup will never be full enough. But you've, you're kind of opening, you open them in your experience to something that can actually be actualized. That inner treasure that you're talking about, which is you know, difficult to talk about in, in language, but th that being the, the seed and the root of what you do, which at the end of the day is what makes the experience of being with you so powerful is because you, you're, you're clear on what you're really inviting people into. And you're right. You'll, you'll do all that unpacking work. You'll talk about all the cups that they're trying to fill that feel like they're seeping out. We'll talk about all that. And, and part of working through that is to get to that, you know, that nugget of the seed of that truth, so to speak. Yeah, but I mean, I, I respect where people are and I respect that, you know, like you have to have some desires. You have to go after something in your life. You have to, you know, we're all creators. And so I support people in that. I support the external world they want to live in. But I also invite them in and say, you know, as my teacher once said, even if life gave you at one time everything you could imagine, you would become dissatisfied. And he said, I would not give up for all the gold in the world, for all the wine in the world, for all the luxury. I would not give up the key, the Kriya key, the meditation key. So that's worth more than anything. And so these great teachers, like these are the great coaches, the spiritual teachers to me, like these are the real coaches, the Dalai Lama, Paramahansa Yogananda, some of the great spiritual teachers. And um, like everything in life, you, you get the teacher, you get the coach, you get the system that you want. And there's a lot of different systems out there. And this is, this is, the world is of mixed character. And so, you know, in one sense, your job is to figure out, you know, which is complicated these days, right? Yeah. Figure out how, how do I invite the right ideas, people, spaces. Um, and for us as creators, as people in the 
we can also get swallowed up and consumed by it. So we have to really take a stand, right? So in a sense, I'm trying to shepherd ideas and, and integrity in a way so that we don't get lost in the consumptive model of constantly shining stuff up, right? And that's rare and it's difficult sometimes. I mean, I find the space to be quite difficult sometimes. Sometimes I just want to give up. I don't want to post anything and I just think, what's the, what's the point? Like, Nobody's listening, nobody's paying much attention because there's all this shiny shit out there that people are, wow, this is amazing. And I don't want to add noise to the space, right? I don't need, I don't need any other tools. I got a toolbox that is so full already, Yeah. right? It's right there. Yeah, you're like a master craftsman who, you know, has that hammer that just looks perfectly weathered it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It doesn't need to do more. It doesn't need to do less. It just does what it does. You shared that story on um, Instagram. I, I shared it with, with Zoe, my partner, about the engineer. Can you tell that story? Can you tell that story? Yeah, there's, there's this guy that owns the ship, and the, the ship engine doesn't work. And so they, they find this master engineer to come and look at the engine. And he comes and he, he takes a long time and looks at the engine and studies it. And then he pulls out this beautiful little hammer and he goes to the engine and he does a couple of taps and the engine, you know, roars back to life. And a couple of weeks later, he sends his invoice and it's for $10,000. And the, the owner of the boat is like, this is ridiculous. You didn't do anything. Give me an itemized bill. And the bill comes back and it says, you know, tapping with a hammer, $2, knowing where to tap the rest <laughs> and, you know when you come across mastery in in any field in any area of the world most of the time you don't even notice it that's what mastery looks like it, it's not showy it's not ostentatious it, it, you don't even see it sometimes and, you know, there was a great video where they had this very famous violinist with this, you know, I don't know, $2 million Stradivarius who came and played in the subway. And nobody noticed. Like, occasionally someone would stop. But nobody noticed. Why? Well, the environment is just another busker. So, really, what we have to do is start to increase our noticing, right? What are we noticing? What are we paying attention to? Where are the hidden nuggets in our world that we're not even, the Stradivarius, we're not even noticing? Yeah. And so mastery is this idea of knowing where to tap. And that is, you know, that's the magic of this stuff. And yeah. I, I, I don't understand it, but I know that in a masterful relationship where there's trust and there is open-heartedness, transformation happens sometimes it's hard to know who's giving and who's receiving but there is something gets created in the space and i see it over and over again and i know that i'm a part of it but i am not it i'm a prism for something i think you know you found the right mentor coach teacher when you find something familiar and unfamiliar at the same time and if it's too familiar it's too known to you. And I think the other side of it is working with someone who hears what you're asking for and also hears exactly what you're not asking for and invites both into that experience. 
I guess the, it's, it's the subtle paradox of recognizing that when you walk into something, if it is something known to you and what you're after is transformation or change, keep walking. And I'm not talking about the familiarity of like hearing a brilliant truth and feeling that deep resonance and echo in, in your consciousness, because I think that's, that's part of the experience. But the idea of like something that's pre-baked, that's too familiar, um, that's not pushing you right to the edge of what is possible in you, because I think that's part of what a good mentor and a teacher does. They have to push you, nudge you maybe to the edge of what you thought was impossible. And then you start to realize it is fully possible when I, when I release certain things, when I let go of certain things, I invite that thing that is possible. I think at the end of the day, that's what a great coach, mentor, teacher does. They just, they just invite you into what was seemingly something you never thought you could create. And yet it resonates with you at a very, very deep level as being fundamentally important fundamentally important to your sense of joy, to your sense of presence in the world. A powerful coaching conversation is a compass conversation. It can be highly inspirational. It can be highly supportive. It can be incredibly confrontational. It can be difficult. Um, it's dangerous to make a fetish out of a way of doing something. And this is where so much of coaching is very surfacey, right? It's just a, fetish of a process. It's not getting anywhere. And so this is the big challenge, right? Like people are looking for comfort. This is the essential nature of the ego. It's a cocoon. It's looking for comfort. It's, it's a heat seeking missile looking to perpetuate suffering. And so sometimes you meet a teacher and on the surface, it appears like maybe nothing's going on, right? You're sitting around, you know, if you've ever gone to a meditation retreat, it seems like nothing's happening, right? Everyone, no one's talking. Everyone's sitting quietly for eight hours a day. What's going on here? And so um, the challenge is to move beyond this, this cocoon, and that can be difficult. So I think what a great coach is doing is listening for the best in you, listening for the greatness in you, listening for the them in you and having the courage to bring it and say, listen, there's more here. We can do more. We can accomplish more inside. And then we can also do some stuff outside. Yeah. Let's bring sacredness to it. I mean, you know, and in the beginning, I, re I remember, you know, when I made my coaching film, I took my camera, I went out to the beach, I sat on a rock, I threw the stick. And, you know, more people have said to me, well, you know, I, I, I reached out to you because I liked your video because I started out by throwing a stick at the dog. Now, it's not traditional marketing, I guess, but, you know, from the start, I've wanted to try and normalize this stuff. It's not magical. It's not, I'm not selling like all this nonsense that, you know, um, and that's what I find most exhausting about the space, you know, yeah. and yeah. Also difficult because in the marketing world, you're supposed to sort of do all these things. And so year after year, I've always had people say, well, you should be doing this. But as, an, as, a, as someone who's a heart-centered person, if it doesn't feel right inside of me, I just can't go there. Yeah. You just need a picture of a tuning fork on your website, I think. <laughs> really? Because it is a tuning fork. You, you're, what, I loved when you said that you're inviting people to listen to what is great in them. 
and the coach in a way is the tuning fork. The coach is the helps the listening happen beyond the distraction, beyond the noise, you know, because there's because I'm sure that most of your clients walk in on day one and it's like noise. Watch it's like blah. I mean I, I know having been through a therapeutic process, you you walk in on day one and you're like, let me tell you the story of my life. You know, the yeah. story of everything that's been before this moment. So I'm gonna catch you up on what is Mark. And then of a course of yeah. I mean, that, that is part of it because I want to know how they language their life. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, of course, you do the work of like, again, setting that tuning fork to be like, okay, now let's extract the elixir of what is that beautiful thing in you that you're so hungry for that you can, I can, I can hear that you're just like, you want to get to the marrow, but you're like, you know, the bone is stuck in your mouth. It's like, okay, let's chew this thing down to get to the marrow of you. Uh, yeah, good coach is like a shepherd, right? The shepherd is guarding their flock in a sense. And what you're trying to do is help people navigate through the ideas that are being presented out there. Like coaching is about curation. I'm trying to curate the most powerful ideas that I feel are high impact. I'm, I'm not interested in making people's lives more complicated and harder. I'm interested in saying, listen, these are some tools. They absolutely work. They're built to last. They're built on goodness and truth. They work if you use them. And But, you know, as you're journeying, <laughs> you need a spiritual bodyguard, you could say. You need a shepherd. You need someone to help navigate through that isn't your friend, your dad, your mom, your wife, your boss. And so we live in these environments where we can never stop and incubate our best selves. Where do we find that space? We find it in the coaching and transformational world. I don't know how anyone operates without a coach or a spiritual guy. I really don't. Yeah. I don't. It's so much more difficult. And if people, even the Huddle app, even the Huddle universe that you're creating, like once people step into it, they realize, wow, this makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To, to invite people into spaces that, incubate their greatness wow what an amazing opportunity what an amazing opportunity like just when you say it i think the blessing of being able to create that opportunity is a blessing we need more all of more of our spaces should be about that work should be about that our home lives should be about that like is my life an incubator for what's great in me and nobody does anything alone nobody does anything totally teachers you know i remember lineage i mean just the the idea of lineage is not right. about authority it's about no. it's about mutual teaching it's about collaboration it's about continuity you know it, for about the first 500 years after buddha's you know passing um, the teachings were 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 delivered orally the entire teachings nothing was written down and even when my teacher came to america the first you know, meditation master to come and live and teach this ancient yogic science. He was reticent to go to America. And his guru said, do you want to keep all the divine, you know, goodness for yourself? Like if it weren't for a line of large hearted teachers carrying this teaching through thousands of years, would you have had access to it? Now go and make it available to people. And so there's actually never been a better time if you want to awaken, if 
you want to enlighten yourself, because all of the teachings are available, all of them. What I study was about 150 years ago, completely hidden. Like there's no way someone like me could have studied it or have access to it. And you can go to Banyan, there's a bookstore down the street from where I live, it's a great metaphysical bookstore, very well known in, on the West Coast of you know, North America. You can find every major teaching there and you can study. And um, so I think Huddle is bringing together the best of not also kind of like secular and, and transformational work and growth and goals and th this whole sort of, you know, that, that, that external side of things. And it's also bringing this deep internal process. I mean, some of the folks that I have met on Huddle, I, I just think are off the charts. Yeah. I mean, they're so wise. Yeah, we're, we're kind of like our own Huddle creating space for people to do that work that that and that and the metaphor of huddle is appropriate it's it's this bringing together of talented people truly caring and compassionate and wise people who ultimately and at the center of that huddle is every single one of our members of our community who get to who who then enjoy the privilege of incubating what's great in their lives and they ultimately also become a part of that huddle um, and that's, that's the beauty of any Sangha, right? That's the beauty of any rich community is drawing on the strengths of everyone with the mutual vision of inviting what's great in their life to just shine through. What else could you possibly ask for? What greater aspiration could you have than that? Keep on exploring. David invites you to go on a journey into being your own life coach in the Huddle app experience. <laughs>